You're listening to a sermon by Hope Bible Church Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at hopeniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. Why am I here? Why am I here? That's that's the key question here that I have for you this morning, and I wonder if you've ever overheard yourself asking that question. Why am I here? Now, depending on your circumstance, you might be asking it for different reasons. For, for example, have you ever gone into the store, ever gone in the store, and you get in there, and uh, you just plain forgot what you were in there to get? Anybody had that experience? As you walk in there, and you get it, and you're all like, wait, but why am I here, right? You ask him sort of to, to remind yourself of what, what was I up to in the first place. Or maybe you've had this experience where you are, you're in a social gathering of some kind, and uh, it's one of those social gatherings where you're in there, and all of a sudden you realize everybody knows everybody except for you. And everybody's talking, and everyone's laughing, and everything like that, and they're telling stories and stuff like that, and there you are just sitting in the corner, sipping your Diet Pepsi, asking yourself... Why am I here? Why am I here? Or imagine yourself in this scenario. You're in the middle of an arena, and you're dressed up in a clown costume, trying to get the attention of an angry bull. In that moment, you might ask yourself, why am I here? Depending on your circumstance, that question you could be asking for a different reason. Well, it's our question today, but the reason I want to ask this question, why am I here, is for the purpose today not of rebuking ourselves or weighing whether we should stay or go or to remind ourselves of something we plain forgot. Rather, the reason I'm asking the question this morning is in order to refresh and to refocus our minds and our hearts on why it is that we are here, like in church, why are we here today? Why are we here every Sunday? Why, why do we make it a priority at Hope Bible Church in Niagara to meet together like this on Sundays? Why am I here in church? Why are you here in church? Why do we make worship services such a priority? What's our agenda? Why, why every week? Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to be clear on why it is we are gathered here at all. The subject of the sermon today is gather time, gather time. And we are in our series on the 5G life. We've got here the diagram, the layout of the series. It begins here with our target. The target is, I am a Christ follower. This is what I'm called to. Jesus, after all, he said, follow me. He said it more than once. He's talking to you. He's talking to me. He calls us to follow him. And as followers of Jesus, that's the target. The theology that relates to this target is summarized in three words. Abide, connect, and share. Every follower of Jesus, if I'm going to follow Jesus, then I must abide in him. I must cultivate that personal relationship with him. If I do not abide in him, I cannot follow him. I must abide in him. I also must connect with his people. We see that this is a priority in the New Testament, that we connect with his people, and I also must share him with others. I must share with others what he has given to me. Abide, connect, share. This is the target. Here's the theology and these three words. And then the five G's are the, it's the application of this. We're saying, okay, in light of what we're after here, the target following Jesus, and the theology of what we believe, what then shall we do? And that's the five G life. And each 
each week here in this series, we are taking these G's one at a time. A week ago, we were on the subject of God time, and then today, gather time. You notice the magnifying glass. That's where we are today. Isn't that cute? And then we've got uh, group time, give time, and go time. So that's where we're going. But here today, we are in on the subject of uh, gather time. Now, a week ago, we looked at this whole subject of God time. And God time is that intentional pursuit of God, good morning, the intentional pursuit of God daily, daily. And remember the challenge I gave you last week was, was at the end of the service, I said, okay, okay, this week, Hope Niagara, ready, ready? God time, daily, 20 minutes a day. How'd you do? How did you do? Some of you, some of you did it. And it wasn't, isn't it great? Isn't it great to spend time with the Lord every day? In fact, some of you spent more than 20 minutes. In fact, I heard from one person, heard the sermon last week, and they had one day this week, they had two hours of God time in their day. And that can happen, that can happen. It's not just 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40, 50, but as a goal, as a target, as a handle, uh, an encouragement, we're saying, hey, let's, let's agree together that as far as, as an intentional pursuit of God daily, let's aim for, as a starting point, 20 minutes with him every day. And some of you did. That. Now, some of you are seeing this, you're like, oh, man, and you're feeling kind of guilty and down because you're like, I, well, I did it, but I only did like two or three days. Well, listen, I'm glad you did two or three days. So now this week, we're going to encourage you, come on, let's keep going here. Let's build on that as because we want to abide in him. Because and, and it's not, we're not doing it to make God to like, get God to like us better. No, he loves us in Jesus. We do it because we love him. We love him. And so we want to be near to him. We want to cultivate this relationship with him. So my encouragement to you is, brother, sister, loved one, let's keep going here. Let's keep going, pursuing after God, uh, an intentional pursuit of him daily, God time. Now today, the subject is gather time, a love for God's family in gathered worship weekly, like right now, every week we meet we have this gathered time. And here's, here's the main point today. Okay, ready? So we had God time last week. Gather time today. Now here's the main point. If you forget everything else I said this morning, just remember this point. You ready? No, you can't. Please don't go home though as soon as I give the point. Okay, hang in there if you could. But here's the main point. Gather time is God time together. Gather time us meeting here like this, corporately, Hope Bible Church Niagara, getting together, together. This gather time is God time together. As you have God time, you're yourself personally pursuing that relationship with God and, and prayer and being in the, in the word, being in his presence. That's God time. Now when we come to church, when we come together, gather time, it's God time, only we do it all together. Gather time is God time Together, And I want to show you this in Scripture. We should turn the Bible to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. And um, the verse I'm going to land on is verse 16, but I'm going to read from verse 12. Now, in the book of Colossians, we got Paul here uh, writing to the church at Colossae. And he tells them, hey, listen, loved ones, listen, followers of Jesus. In Jesus, you've got a new life. You've got a radically new life. You've been raised to new life. You got, you're, you're seated with Jesus in heaven, as it were. You're not who you used to be. So in chapter 3 of Colossians, he tells them, so don't be like you used to be. Because of what Jesus has done for you on the inside and how we live on the outside, starting with our desires and passions to our behaviors, we need to put off the things that went with the old life before we knew Jesus. 
and now put on the things that go with being a follower of Jesus. Sort of like changing your clothes. Take off the old clothes, put on the new clothes in terms of your attitudes and behaviors that are fitting for a follower of Jesus. You'll see what I mean here. We'll just read from verse 12 here, part of the, the text. It says, Paul says, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, sure, it'll never happen here, but if hypothetically, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, I would just say, that's, that's a big goal we have in God time. Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you. So we, we seek him in prayer, but also we want him, his word, to abide in us, to dwell in us. So it's a big thing in God time. But now we'll see that God time spills over into gather time. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Notice teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. Notice singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. So in, in God time, I'm in the word, I'm in prayer, I'm in God's presence, communing with him. And then when it's gather time, I'm still doing that, but we're doing that together. Gather time is God time together. The Christian life is intensely personal, but it's not private. I must personally believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I cannot believe on him for you. There's lots of things I can do for you. I can pray for you. I can, I can admonish you. I can encourage you. I can maybe correct and direct you. If I've eaten my breakfast, I might even be able to carry you. There's, there's lots of things I can do for you. But believing on Jesus isn't anything I can do for you. Abiding in Jesus isn't something that I can do for you. But I can do it with you. And you can do it with each other, and you can do it with me. See, we, we do, we personally, we, we are called to have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's vital. We must abide in him. But the mistake that some have made is that they, they get thinking so much about that personal relationship with God, which is very important, that they overlook or diminish the importance of that shared relationship that we have together with the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, uh, so many people kind of get this idea, get thinking about the Christian life is just sort of, it's just me and Jesus. But actually, while it is you and Jesus, it's also us and Jesus. So I, we can't abide for one another, but we are called to abide with one another in Jesus Christ. We're called to connect together. And an important part of connecting is gather time. Now, Lord willing, a week from now, we'll talk about group time. There's more than one kind of connecting that we're thinking about in terms of application. But this morning, we're thinking about gather time. Why is it? Why is it that we gather? Well, I would just summarize it in one word. We gather for worship. Worship. We do gather time to worship God. 
That's what it's all about, to worship God. You see that in, the, in verse 16 that we just read a moment ago. It lands on that final phrase with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Now, thanksgiving and gratitude, that's one way that we worship God. There's others, but this is certainly worship. Giving thanks, acknowledging him and his goodness to me in many, many ways. Uh, uh, we have, you and I together, we have a God who we believe in, and we marvel at who he is. I mean, he is a holy God. He has created all that there is. He's high and lifted up, and we, we marvel at him, this great and awesome God who, as great as he is and as awesome as he is, he still cares about me. He cares about you. He cares about us. We worship this God because of who he is. And we many, also worship because of what he's done. And oh my, the things that he's done for us. It's astounding. Even just in Colossians. Let me just take you on just a little short little tour here in Colossians. Looking at some of the things that God has done for us in Christ. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 13. Colossians 1 and verse 13. And this is amazing. If you're discouraged today, you got to read these two verses. This is incredible. Verses 13 and 14 says what God for us has, has done for us in Jesus. Notice it says, Colossians 1.13, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Now, whose domain is that? That's Satan's domain. Do you know that once you were in Satan's domain, you follower of Jesus, you once were in a very different place? The Bible says that Satan blinds the minds of unbelievers. So you, you couldn't even see, you were lost and you didn't even see it. There is a great savior and you, you didn't perceive him. And he keeps people in bondage, in chains. We're blinded and, and in, in bondage. But notice what the text says, that he has, God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He set us free from that. And not only has he set us free from something terrible, notice what he's brought us to. He's delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Talk about going from the outhouse to the penthouse. It's incredible. In whom, then this Jesus, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't it amazing to know that in Jesus, your sins are forgiven? Oh. Hallelujah. And so we see this and we get, we get excited about this. We come together redeemed. We all got something in common today. If you're in Jesus, we're forgiven sinners. And so we, we rejoice. That's not all. Have a look at chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Same book, Colossians. Get a load of this. And you, talking to you, dear Christian, Christ follower, and you were dead in your trespasses. Now, you don't have to be a theologian to read a phrase like that that says you were dead and recognize that's a bad thing. That is a bad thing. We were, de we were spiritually dead. There, there was no life in us, no spiritual life in us. But the Lord's done something. You were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made you alive together with him, with Jesus, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. Did you know something? That before God, you had a rap sheet. And that rap sheet was long, a lot longer than you probably think. Attitudes, actions, even indifference. Treason against the king of heaven. It's a long rap sheet. Guilty. But what does the text say that God has done with that? All of our sins, all of our offenses. Again, look what verse 14 says. Jesus took that, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. This he set aside, notice, nailing it to the cross. 
So he took all of our sin, all of our selfishness, all of our shame, the whole rap sheet, guilty, 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 but he took it and he nailed it to the cross. And so it's removed from you. You and I, we stand forgiven. We got a great God, don't we? And we do gather time to worship him, who he is and what he's done. Uh, One more thing I want to show you. Go to Colossians 3 and verse 12, back to where we began reading. And just want you to notice some little phrases here that just, just speak volumes about God's kindness to us in Jesus. Verse 12, put on then, notice, as God's chosen ones as God's chosen one. Uh, Who am I that the God of heaven would set his affection on me? As God's chosen ones. Notice, holy and beloved. You know what's at the end of our services, we always say, you are loved. You know why we do that? It's not just to let you, it's not a cute religious way of letting you know the service is over, okay? The reason we tell you this is because it's at the root of our conviction that you are loved by God and he's demonstrated that to you in Jesus. And when we gather together, when we do our God time, we're worshiping him for these things as we remember the gospel. And then as we gather together, we do gather time to worship this great and awesome God. He's loved us. He's been so good to us. He's rescued us. He's forgiven us. God has been so kind to us in Jesus. And I've said to you many times in the past, something that C.S. Lewis points out, A vitally important part of worship in understanding what worship is, is this, is that we must recognize that we love to praise what we enjoy. We love to praise what we enjoy. Isn't this pizza delicious? That song, oh, that song, you feel that beat. Isn't she beautiful? I'm talking about my wife, of course. We praise what we enjoy and we can't help but invite others to join in the praising. Isn't this a great song? You gotta hear this song. You have to watch this movie. Come here, come here, come here. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Is amazing what I found growing in my yard. This is amazing. We 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 invite others into it, and and the the delight, the joy that we have in that thing isn't complete until we express it. I've got to tell someone. I was thinking about this and reminded of uh, my cousin. He was, uh, one time he was, he was telling me about this sandwich shop that he found. He's like, oh, he's like, I found this is the best sandwich I've ever eaten. He's like, you gotta go there. You gotta go there. He was telling me about it. Tell me what he ordered, what he had on and everything. He's like, man, it was so good. I'm like, that good, eh? Best sandwich I've ever eaten. Just phenomenal. I'm like, wow, oh, that's amazing. You gotta go there. Next time I see him, hey, hey, did you go to that sandwich shop yet? Like, no, I have, oh, yeah, you gotta go. I mean, you gotta, every time I see him, you've gone, to, well, finally, finally, I went to the sandwich shop. And um, I'll tell you, I ordered up the sandwich and ate it, and it was, meh, meh. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible, I'd say right now. It, wasn't, it wasn't, certainly wasn't the best sandwich I've ever had. Let me just put it this way. I've made better sandwiches at home. Well, the next time I see him, I said to him, hey, I went to that sandwich shop. Oh, and, and? I'm like, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it, wasn't it was all right. What, you, he looked personally offended. It's not even his shop. He looked personally offended, like to feel like, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? I think he accused me of not having any taste or something like that. And then his, his wife is standing there. She's like, yeah, yeah I, I'm with you, Ross. She's like, I, I don't get his thing with that shop. He's like, oh, you too? All bothered and offended. Now, now here, that is what it's like many times day to day for us as Christians. Jesus is the greatest thing ever. But most of the people we cross paths with are like, meh. But when we come together, 
We're fired up about this Jesus. Isn't he wonderful? Yes, he is. Isn't he a great savior? Oh, he saved me. Look what he's done for me in my life. Here's what he's done for me in my life. Isn't he wonderful? And it comes together. It gets hot in here as we rejoice in Jesus. And that's why we do gather time. To worship God out of the overflow of the joy in our hearts together in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God's redeemed people do. Gather to worship God. In fact, we see this throughout redemption history. Gathering to worship is a pattern in the past. Dr. Edmund Clowney points this out. This is really helpful. Sort of traces this notion of gathering for worship in Scripture. It takes us all the way back to the nation of Israel in slavery in Egypt. And they cried out to the Lord for rescue, and he heard them. And remember, he raised up Moses to lead his people out of slavery. Remember what Moses said when he went to Pharaoh? If you know the story, he went to Pharaoh, and he told Pharaoh, he says, God says to let my people go so that they may go into the wilderness and worship me. Now, my Bible translates that word, serve me, but in the context, to serve is to worship. And that's exactly what God did. The amazing story of the Exodus, how God worked miraculously and rescued his people out of Egypt. And when they came, that culminating moment came when they're out and they come to Mount Sinai. And there they are all gathered together and they encounter God in this terrific way. Let's just go to the next slide. I want to show you this here. It it begins, gathering to worship is a pattern in the past. It begins at Sinai. And then it continues in the festivals. They couldn't just stay at Sinai. They had lives to live. So what God instituted was festivals where three times a year, Leviticus 23, you see that they're called to come together, the whole nation, three times a year. The word is convocation in, in my Bible. It means that the whole, all the people to gather together three times a year to worship. But as you know, if you know the story of the Old Testament, that was interrupted by idolatry. The people turned to worthless idols, and because of that, they were, they were exiled. And, um, uh, and in the midst of that sad, sad story, the prophets, they, they give a guarantee of something greater. That guarantee of something greater is they, the prophets said in the coming day. The people will gather to worship, but not only will it be Israel, but it'll be the nations. And then Dr. Clowney points out, when you come to Acts chapter 2, Jesus has died, buried, resurrected, ascended to heaven, and here we are on the day of Pentecost. And Peter is there and he's giving a sermon. And what does he tell the people? He says, what the prophets foretold is happening now. It's starting to happen right now. As here we are gathered together in worship of the Lord, the Holy Spirit has been given and now begins the gathering, the in-gathering of all God's people, the Gentiles included, it's begun. What I want you to see here is that gathering to worship is a pattern in the past. And we see it very clearly all the way up through into Acts 2. Now gathering now, gathering to worship is a priority in the present. It's a pattern in the past, but now in the New Testament church, we see that it is a priority in the present. Have a look at Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. Now here's the same chapter where we read that sermon from Peter. And then that same chapter, notice what it tells us about the church in Jerusalem. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. So see, they had large gatherings and they had small gatherings. And notice too, they met every day. So I move, we have church every day, every day. 
Uh, maybe, maybe not. We don't have to go there, but it's interesting. They did do it every day at that time. We see later in Acts, as the story unfolds, we can see that churches began to meet, especially once a week, gathering together in local churches once a week on Sunday, the day in which Jesus was raised, the first day of the week. And so we see by the time we come through Acts, we come to this place where the believers are meeting together. Uh, they're gathering together in their local churches, uh, but we see here that they're praising God and having favor with all people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. They met together, and they did so in large groups and in smaller groups, meeting in homes. By the time you get to Revelation 1 and 10, we read the Apostle John referring to the first day of the week as the Lord's Day. Acts 20 and verse 7, it's a great story. Acts 20, uh, there's a church service in Troas. They met at night. They met at night, and the Apostle Paul was the preacher in this one account, and he preached long, long. I mean, I mean, I know, I know sometimes I preach too long. I know that. You don't have to tell me. I know that. But Paul, I mean, he preached long. He preached so long, it probably was hot in there, and this poor young man named Eutychus, he goes over, and he, see, he props himself up in the window, probably gets some air and try to stay awake to hear the preacher keep preaching. He goes on and on and on, and all of a sudden, he does what some of you have done, maybe you're doing right now. He fell asleep. And he leaned back, but he didn't have a nice chair behind him. It was an open window, and he fell down. And it's amazing. I mean, you got to read the story. I don't want to spoil it for you if you don't know it. It's quite the account, though, and a great application to stay awake in church, okay? Because you never know. You never know what could happen to you. But they met on Sunday night. And then 1 Corinthians 16, 2, we see that the Corinthians, they, their habit was to gather on the first day of the week as well. Now, hear this. This is very important. Unlike Israel in the Old Covenant... The New Testament church, the Lord Jesus' blood-bought sheep, are not assigned certain days for worship. There's no required times. There's not even a required, a prescribed frequency. We can see the practice was to gather weekly, but that was out of the joy and the delight and the freedom. They met together because they loved to meet together. Churches met on Sunday as a, a normal practice, and we can see that developed in the book of Acts and, and on into church history. They were glad to, they desired to, and they did it with liberty. Paul cautions us about being legalistic about days of the week. Romans 4 and 14 and 4, he says, who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? Right? Does that, that other person, do they serve you? No, they serve Jesus. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? One person esteems one day as better than the other, while other, another esteems all alike. So, so there's, there's lots of believers that say, listen, in Jesus, every day is holy. Every day is set apart unto him. And some would see certain days as special, as set apart than others. But, but Paul's point is this, is, is, is the one who observes the day, observes it to honor the Lord. So be careful. Be careful that our attitudes are in line with the Spirit of God who calls us to worship not under the letter of the law, but the leading of the Spirit and the overflow of our joy in Jesus. Even Jesus, in instituting the Lord's Supper, he said this. He held up the cup and he said, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. See that phrase? As often as you drink it. If he wanted to, this would have been a perfect place to say, do this every single Sunday, or do this on the first Sunday of every month, or on the fifth Tuesday throughout the year. Is there ever a fifth Tuesday? I don't know, but he could have said whatever he wanted. He was Jesus. But he didn't say that, did he? 
He says, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now you say, Pastor, why are you going on about this? Because I think it's important for us to understand that the compulsion to gather is not to obey the letter of the law, but to be led by the Spirit. Love is the motive. We, we gather here, not so that we can feel like we're righteous or even look righteous. We gather because we love the Lord and we love each other. It's our joy to gather here, but there's liberty. The commandment is to love God with all our heart and all our soul and all our mind and all our strength and to love one another as ourselves. Yes, I'm aware that Hebrews 10 and 25 warns against the habit of not gathering warns against falling into a pattern of withdrawing from my church family, like thinking and acting like I don't need my church family, my church family doesn't need me. But even that warning is not rendered as a command or even an imperative. The imperative in that context, and Lord willing, we'll look at this more closely next week, but the imperative in that context is that believers ought to think about, consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but instead encouraging one another, and all the more as the day of the Lord's return draws near. So our passion for gathering to worship is not legalistic perfectionism. In fact, sometimes gathering is not possible. Like some of you have had health issues. You, know, you get sick and you're, you know, you're, I won't even get into the details. There's, there's things going on that you know, other people don't want going on around them. And so you, you stay home and you're, you're wise to do that sometimes. And, and sometimes in this part of the world where we live, weather can be a thing, can't it? I remember last year, our, our Christmas Eve service, so we were excited about coming to Christmas Eve, and then we had like the, the, that colossal snow and ice storm, and all kinds of people couldn't make it. And oh, well, they didn't get a sticker on their chart, and they'll never, well, that's not how we, they wanted to be here, but they just, they just couldn't. They couldn't get out the driveway, couldn't get down the road. Some of you have shift work. I don't want you to hear this. I do not want you, you're not going to hear from me any kind of beating up on you because you got to shift work. you you got a responsibility there. Yeah, may, maybe there's a time and a place to look at what you can do to move your shifts around so you can be here more often, but the reality is that sometimes you can't. And of course, there's sometimes you take enjoyment and travel and you'll go to visit families or take a needed vacation away. There's lots of times when gathering is just, it doesn't happen. And of course, then there's the pandemic that sure threw us a big curveball. We all have different views in here, and no, I'm not interested in yours. The point, though, that I want you to see is, listen, we are passionate about gathering, and it is a priority for us. Gathering to worship is a priority. Is it important? Yes, it's very important. For many reasons I'm going to get to, God willing, in just a moment, but our heartbeat in this moment right now is to assuage guilt. We're not living under a law. We are living in a day of grace where we have the outflow and overflow of joy in Jesus and we're compelled in love to worship him and to enjoy him together. The normal practice of believers is to meet together in the local church. And when we do, we're like, we're like an embassy. You know what an embassy is, right? It's that building on a piece of property in a certain place that belongs to the country that's represented there, even though it's in a country that's not their own. Well, that's what's happening right now. Did you know that? The Bible says we are ambassadors for Christ. And when we ambassadors come together on a day like today, what we've got right here is an embassy for Jesus. This is not our home. Heaven is, our citizenship is in heaven. But here in this place, 
we have an embassy for Jesus showing up here in, in, in a visible form, proclaiming the truth of Jesus and rejoicing in him together. See, loved ones, what I'm trying to get you to see is that we do gather time to worship God. It's a pattern in the past, and for us, listen, it's a priority in the present. It is. But you know what else? Gathering to worship is also a promise for the future. It's a promise for the future. Have a look at Hebrews 12. You're going to love this verse. You've got to love this. Ready? Ready to fall in love? Ready to find a new favorite verse? These verses. Look at this. this. Look at what this says. But you have come to the city of the living God. Doesn't that sound good? You have come to the city of the living God. So we're here, and yet we're not quite there yet. We've come to him. We know him. We're saved. And yet there's this fullness still to come. You have come to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the innumerable angels and festal gatherings. Doesn't it sound amazing? And to notice the assembly of the firstborn, the gathering of the firstborn, who are enrolled, notice, in heaven. I love that. So, so here's what's happening here. We are just this tiny, tiny, itsy-wincy, little, little gathering of Christians right here, right here in this place called Hope Bible Church, Niagara. And what's going on here is a really small, like little sample, like smaller than the samples at Costco, like small little sample of what's going to come in that day when we're with Jesus. So as we sing together, and I tell you lots, you sound good, and I mean it because you do. And I'm not just trying to encourage you and you know, make you think you should have a singing career. Some of you probably shouldn't, but I'm just saying that you sound good in this, that when I'm sitting here and tell you, one of the benefits in sitting on the front row is all those voices pour over you. And what a blessing to hear those voices singing praises unto Jesus. And you get in church sometimes and you think, now what's it gonna be like? I mean, this is good. Y'all sound good. But what are we going to sound like when we see Jesus face to face? When we show up on that day in the full assembly, the full gathering of the firstborn Jesus? What's that going to be like? Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to that. Can you imagine the sound, the vocal volume that will be there when we see Christ face to face? Can you imagine the tears and the rejoicing and the dancing? And some of you will have your hands up high in the air because you, you're going to see this Jesus. What a moment that's going to be. This little gathering and all these little gatherings all around our region and our country and around the world point forward to that future gathering when we're in heaven. And this is what this is all about. You know, on Monday, I had the honor of presiding over a funeral for a dear lady who was, she was very dear to us, uh, quite elderly. But she loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, I was her pastor for a season of time. And I was reflecting back on my many, many interactions and times with her. And I recalled that she would frequently ask me to preach on heaven. She would free, and I, I did. I did preach on heaven sometimes. Not as frequently, I think, as she wanted. But I did. And, you know, when I reflected on that, it all came together in the funeral service, why that was. During the service one of their grandchildren stood up and looked at her husband, still living, her husband of 59 years, and she said this. She said, Grandpa, you know, Grandma, Grandma loved you. You were the love of her life. But now, she's gone on to be with her true love, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's, that's why she wanted to hear about heaven. 
because it's the home, it's the throne room of her true love. That longing there to be with Jesus for her is now realized. And you and I, we're going to join her there too if we're in Christ. Our gathering to worship is a promise for the future. We gather to worship and we, we, do, we do gather time to worship the God, this pattern, this priority, this promise. Now I want to ask this question. What does all this entail then? We talk about worshiping and the priority of worship and the promise of worship. But when we gather together, what, is it, what does this worship entail? What does it involve? I'm going to say to you at least six things. I'm going to try to go through these things fairly quickly. All right? So I got my metronome in my head. Ready? Got a beat going. First, not going to quite that beat. Look at the first thing here. One of the things we do is we preach. Gather time involves preaching. That is, we hear God's word together. Paul told Timothy, his protege, he said, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You know, God is pleased to use his word to do important, necessary, needed, even timely work in your life and mine. And there's something that is vital and life-giving in a local church about being under the sound of God's word being preached. A.W. Tozer made this interesting analogy. He said this. He said, 100 pianos tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other. Now, on its own, that's not terribly profound until you think about application, what it might illustrate in a local church. When we get away from the teaching of God's word, it's not long before our lives become a little bit out of tune. But think of the unity, the joyful unity that God fosters and cultivates when we come together weekly to, among other things, sit together under the sound of God's word. And I'm so grateful for all the different means we have of ministering the Word of God. Sometimes when that shift work happens or that flu bug hits or that snowstorm comes, well, it's great that we have podcasts. You can listen online. We, of course, we got YouTube and the live stream and Pastor Alec leads that so well. We're so grateful for that. So when you're away or things happen and you're, you're able to, in a sense, I know it's not quite the same, but you're able to, to stay connected and to hear the word and to uh, be tuned together like that. Uh, one of the things that is, at worship involves when we come together is preaching. We hear God's word together. Second, praying, praying. We pray in God time, us me and the Lord, but we also pray in gather time, us together in the Lord. We talk to God together. Paul exhorted the Ephesians to be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. He says, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication or, or presenting requests for all the saints and for me also. You know, without, without prayer, we're dead. Without prayer, we are dead. It, prayer is the walkie-talkie in the battlefield to headquarters. And isn't it wonderful that God has given us that walkie-talkie? And by the way, we're going to be using those walkie-talkies tonight here for prayer and praise. And I want to encourage you. This is one of our gather times. We have a weekly gather time for our worship services in the morning. We have a monthly gather time specifically for prayer where we devote ourselves to prayer together. And some, I, I want to invite you to be there. Some of you, you need a breakthrough in your life. Maybe it will happen tonight. 
Maybe it will happen tonight. It, I don't know why it is that sometimes we can pray for something three times, four times, nine times. Why is it that on the 13th, the 23rd, the 27th prayer that God answers? I don't know. It's a mystery. But you could be that prayer number 27 tonight. Who, who knows? You could. We're going to pray for one another. And if you got a prayer request, you fill out that request on the card and hand it in at the desk. We will pray for you for that issue tonight. It's one of the things we do. We, we talk to God together. We preaching, praying, third, proclaiming. We proclaim Christ in the ordinances together. What do we mean by ordinances? Well, there's two. Baptism and the Lord's Supper. When we are baptized, we go public with our faith. And uh, it's not wrong to do it in your pool or at the lake or at the cottage or something like that. But, but I, I think primarily, though, that is a ministry here in the local church that we get to be part of. It's a ministry. It's a purpose we have in proclaiming Jesus together to go public with your faith. Oh, by the way, there's a baptism next Sunday. Did you know that? And, and isn't it, let me just be honest, isn't it time for some, some of you to do this, to get baptized? You know, when I got baptized... I went into the pastor's office, middle of the week, and I was just, I was just under so much conviction. I've been putting this off and avoiding it and delaying, and it's just, it was just all kinds of mess in my mind. I'm like, I have to get baptized. I remember going to the pastor's office, and he said, what can I do for you? I'm like, I need to get baptized. You know what he said to me? He, here was my baptism class. You ready? Bring a change of clothes on Sunday. That's what he said. And so I showed up with a change of clothes and my testimony in hand. Somebody else read it for me. Wasn't that great? Somebody else read it for me. They baptized me. What a joyous day. Now listen, what's, what's keeping you back? Okay, bring a change of clothes next Sunday. Let us know you want to be baptized. If you show up, you don't have clothes, I'll give you mine. Okay, okay nothing's going to stand in the way here if you're ready to be baptized. Proclaiming Christ in baptism. We proclaim Christ in the Lord's Supper like we will at the end of this service. Rehearsing the gospel. Remembering that Jesus died for me. Preaching. Praying, proclaiming, forth, power. We are encouraged and strengthened together. Something happens. God uses gather time to do good, strengthening, encouraging things in our lives. Ephesians 5.19 says, we're to be addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord. So interesting because it's horizontal and vertical. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I don't think it means we turn church into a musical. Okay, just to decide, I don't get musicals. I don't get them. Like, and the thing that bothers me is that who does that? Who just sort of breaks out in song and conversation all of a sudden? I don't know. That's not what Paul's talking about. He's talking about ingathered worship. What do we do? Well, part of our worship involves singing and praising unto the Lord. And as we do that, it's a ministry to each other. And isn't it true that so many times as we go through our week, we can feel so alone in Jesus. And sometimes, maybe this hasn't happened to you, it's happened to me many times, you can almost feel overwhelmed by how many people around you don't know Jesus. And you can start to, start to wonder, like, am I like the only one? But then when you show up at church, Oh, no, it's hot in here. There's fire. There's zeal for Jesus. We love Jesus, and we're encouraged and built up, so we address, we sing worship, and it's a ministry to each other. So no matter how bad of a singer you are, you've got a sweet sound coming out of that voice box of yours because it's a blessing to the person beside you and in front of you and behind you and around you. It's horizontal, but it's also vertical. 
because we're ministering to each other as we worship the Lord. There's power in that. We are encouraged and strengthened together, like charging up your battery. We get recharged when we come to church. Fifth, presence. Presence, we come to encounter God together. Listen to Acts 4 and 31. This is what I so desire for us. Listen to this. And when they had prayed, talk about a gathering. When they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Our great desire, really our goal together, our long ever hearts when we gather together is that we would encounter God. We would encounter him. Isn't that, isn't that what we want? That's what we want. That's what we desire. That's what we long for. What can happen? Sixth, this may be most obvious, but we're saying praise. Praise. We lift high the name of Jesus together. Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Any basketball fans in the room here? Any basketball fans? No, eh? Funny. Okay. A couple people, a couple basketball fans. Any Raptors fans here in the room? Okay, a few of you. All right. So, Raptors fans, 2019, what happened? 2019, right? We brought Larry O.B. home. We got the trophy. And uh, you remember what happened after they won that, the victorious game and they won in, in uh, Golden State? They came on back home to Toronto. And remember the big parade? It was estimated there was about a million people lining the streets and cheering and singing and dancing and crying. It was a big old party uh, as they lined the streets and then they all got together at City Hall and listened to the champions give their speech. And it was all everybody here rejoicing and celebrating together in a big victory that had been won. There's a sense in which it was a kind of worship service. Not that I'm trying to be down on that, but it's a victory is won and we come to celebrate and exalt together in this big, enormous win. Now, loved one, listen. What kind of a victory has Jesus won for you? I love how Pastor Norm Miller puts it. He says this way, we should not be outpassioned by a sporting event. I would say to you that a mark of a church that is lifting high the name of Jesus together with passion is one that has vocal volume. I'm not talking about amplified volume. Vocal volume. Coming from a heart that is filled with joy in Jesus. A physical engagement. I, I come from a fairly conservative background, and so I am, I'm somewhat expressive. Maybe if I came from a different background, I would be more expressive than I am. But I think it is right and appropriate, given that there's order, there's to be order in the church, but it is right and appropriate for us to be physically engaged in worship. Hands raised or held out, tears flowing, loud voices expressing joy in Jesus. Yes, times of contemplation and silence and reflection for sure, but also an outpouring of gladness in Jesus as we praise and lift high his name. So gather time involves preaching, praying, proclamation, power, presence, and praise. Gather time is God time together. Now, in a moment, we're going to worship the Lord together in a way that he's prescribed in just a moment. But before we do that, the team's going to come and lead us in a closing song. And before they do that, I just want to say briefly three things to you to tie this together. One, 
Gather time is not about you. Just remember that. Gather time is not about you. It's about the Lord. Beware of, and it's really easy for me to fall into this too. Beware of a consumeristic attitude toward gather time where we take on the role of a critic, perhaps. That's what we do when we go to a restaurant. Like, oh, that tastes terrible. That sauce was too hot. Or go to a, a sporting event. Man, that was boring. Boring. Now, you might come away from church some days and say, that was boring. Maybe that you're boring. I'm not sure, but be careful. I'm into evaluation. When we meet as a staff every Monday, Right after we have our, devotion, our devotional time together, one of the things we do is we evaluate. So I'm not down on evaluation, but be careful that you remember that it's actually not about you and what you get, but it's about God and our joy in him. Gather time is not about you, but second, it is for you. So loved one, make it a priority. And in doing that, there are things, thirdly, you can do. Things you can do like, well, be committed to God time. Because as you're committed to God time, just go ahead and put those on the screen. As you're committed to God time, you're going to be fueled up for gather time to be a blessing to your brothers and sisters. You can prepare your heart before gather time. You know, something, something that I sometimes do when I get home at the end of the workday is I'll just take a moment in my car in the drive and I'll just take a moment. Sometimes I pray. The world would say I'd be centering myself, whatever that means. I, I just got to take a moment and adjust from being at the office to now being home. And I wonder if some of us would be served well to do that when we show up at church on Sunday. Take a moment and remember, why is it that I'm here? I hesitate to put this one on, arrive on time, because, because for some of you, showing up here at whatever time you get here, you deserve literally a standing ovation because it has been an Olympic effort to get here. Right? You see, arrive on time, you're like, Pastor, you're lucky we're still married. You're lucky the kids are still living, right? That we're all here. Just, just be thankful. So I get, and I don't want anybody feeling self conscious about that. People who know me well will be snickering that I'm talking about punctuality. Okay, listen, listen. Lots of grace here. But all I'm going to want to say about this is that if you notice that it's a pattern that I'm late every Sunday, my guess is, is that you're probably not well prepared to worship. And, and that you're, you're not going to be benefiting the way that you could or being a blessing to the way that you, de- to the degree you desire to. So just a pastoral encouragement to be on time. Use gather time to bless someone else. Look around you. Who can I pray for? Who can I encourage? Gather time is great for prayer time. At the end of these services, pray and be prayed for. I ask the team to come forward. We're going to sing a song of worship.